Welcome to Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 110. Our Sunday worship service for March 24th, 2019 is titled, Suit Up. It's the third in the series, Keep It Real. You have everything you need to start your journey. So our scripture today is Matthew 25, 13. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Now this is kind of a typical Jesus Christ thing to say. There's a couple of key elements right there in those little passages. First of all, one of the things he's saying is, you don't know. Overall, one of the sound bites is, the details are God's job. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten in the way of miracles because I thought it was my job to handle all the details. And something happened easy or hard to get me out of the way, and then the thing happened that I had been waiting for and also in the way of. So part one of that little statement is, you don't know these things. It's not your job to know the day or the hour or how it's going to come. If God is already here, what are you doing waiting for God to show up? That's not your job. But the other piece of that is equally important. Jesus says, get ready. Over and over again, Jesus in one way or another says, okay, everybody stay frosty. Something's about to happen. Everybody, let's go. Wake up, everybody. Come on, put your shoes on. We're at Grandma's house. Let's go. Over and over again, the Jesus Christ message is be ready. Because something is not only going to happen, but actually in the process of happening, and the only thing keeping it from really arriving is you being ready or not ready. I'll put that a different way. Creation is a collaborative process. By that I mean God does the creating part. But if I give you a gift, that's only part of the equation. The rest of it is what are you going to do with the thing that you've been given? Creation is a collaborative process because God gives us life, love, opportunity, healing, miracles, this moment, whatever magical thing. It came from God or it didn't happen. But the other piece of it is what are you going to do about it? Creation is a collaborative process. I'll put that another way. As you've heard me say many times, but it bears repetition, there were people who hung out with Jesus and didn't know who he was, didn't hear it, weren't aware of it. You know what I mean? Had nothing to do with Jesus, and it had everything to do with receptivity or readiness. I'll put that a different way. Here's the sound bite. If you're going to write something down, here's the deal. You ready? You get what you're ready for. That's it, man. You get what you are ready for. Think about it. If you're the kind of person who's ready for disappointment, who's ready for heartbreak, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. You get what you're ready for. And there are those people who spend their lives getting ready for all of those things, for the other shoe to drop, for the bad thing to happen, for the bottom to fall out, for the end of something. You get what you're ready for. So I'm going to say to you, what if in getting ready for Easter, our job is not to get ready for a funeral? That's Friday, boys and girls. Remember, Easter happens on a Sunday. What if... Instead of getting ready for the end of something, we spend our time, our orientation, our attention getting ready instead of for death, for birth. What if, 
It's time to stop getting ready for the negative thing and start getting ready for the positive thing. Stop getting ready for the end and start getting ready for the beginning. So many people have come to me and said, you know, I just, oh, I hate my job. It makes me feel like a loser and I can't wait until that day that I win the lottery and I'm going to go up to that office and I'm going to tell the boss what a jerk he is and how disappointed I am and I'm going to hurt some feelings, man, because I feel hurt by my life. I've heard so many different versions of that. And look, I've, you know, I've worked all kinds of jobs through my life. I know that feeling. I bet everybody has in one way. I'm going to show them. Well, first of all, there's no showing them. If they don't care about your feelings, they're not going to care about your little tirade. They're just going to call security and get on with their day. Doesn't work that way. But more than that, if what you are getting ready for is I'm going to cause some heartache and anger, well, no wonder you're still experiencing heartache and anger in your situation. What if instead of that, the goal is, you know what, I can't wait for something better, something new. I'm ready for new lessons and new opportunities and a new me. What if that little change happens in your heart? Because that little change will change everything in your life because you get what you're ready for. So the question is, how can you show that? In other words, how can you show what's in your heart? This is a big deal. And I was really thinking about that, and I was thinking about the fact that we live in a culture that's not super good at finding ways to share who we really are. The other day, I was really thinking about this. How can I, how can I illustrate that? Because I don't want to sound really negative, and there's a lot of things going on, and I wish I had a story. And I was sitting in my favorite coffee shop. It's just around the corner. It's the place I go to get the coffee for Sunday morning, and I was sitting there, and I had the place more or less to myself. And I was sitting there, I was listening to some music, I was kind of grooving on thing, and the people were making coffee, and I know them really well, and they bring me coffee, and I got my computer, and I got my journal, and I'm just having my life. It's great having that moment. I'm thinking, okay, God, I need a story. <laughs> and the story walked in. And a story, this young couple came, and they sat right next to me. There was a couch there. And, you know, it's a coffee shop. The tables are really close, and they were right there. I mean, I felt like going, guys, why? Is it my cologne? What? But as it turned out, I had no choice but to eavesdrop, and it was kind of fun to eavesdrop. And I was listening, and I could, it was very clear very quickly that it was like a first date kind of scenario. Maybe they met on an app or something, somebody introduced them because they didn't know anything about each other. And so they were doing that first date, blind date series of shots across the bow of weird questions. And the, the girl asked, well, what kind of superpower would you have if you could have any superpower? And the guy had been thinking about that way too much, and he had way too geeky of an answer. And I could tell it didn't really land with her. And then he had some theories about Dave Chappelle, the comedian. He said, if you don't like Dave Chappelle, we can't be friends. And I thought, well, that's a little harsh. You're not even friends yet. <laughs> and I wanted to say to them, as they were just firing shots that didn't land, I wanted to, to just go, guys, come here. Come, we're already here. Come here. It's a little closer. I want you to imagine that this works out and you get married. I want you to imagine that you build a life together and a family and a home and all of that. I want you to imagine that you're at the other side of this adventure and you're walking on the beach and you're old and you've lived a whole life together. And somebody comes up to you as you're walking on the beach and they say, what's your secret? How'd you do it? Would you imagine that you'd say, well, his superpower is flight. And that really landed with me. And he said, well, she likes Dave Chappelle. Do you think that that's the thing? As it turns out, a happy life together, living love together, has so little to do with the superficial details and so much more to do with what's in your heart. 
So ask yourself of your relationships, whether you're dating or you're just working a job or trying to be a friend or a daughter or a son or a something to somebody else. Ask yourself, am I sharing what's in my heart? Now, I know that's not easy. I know that for a lot of people, we haven't been given the tools to do that. It's a lot like trying to explain the color red to somebody without using the word color. We don't have some of the tools that you need to do it. But that's why we do this. That's why you do this. Let's work on it together because it's a noble pursuit. Figure out how in your situation you can share a little bit more of your heart because to the degree that you do, you succeed. That's it. That's it. Over and over again, Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And it's not because he had short-term memory loss. It's a faith question. Who am I to you? Beyond appearances. Because after all, if Jesus walked in the room right now, I don't think that he'd be rocking the beard and the whole Jedi robes thing that they wore in first century Palestine. What would he be wearing? What would he look like? Would you know if he walked in the room? If it's not about appearances, would you know? This is an interesting question. And you can ask yourself, well, how would you know? Can you share on that level? Can you perceive on that level and can you take in on that level? How do you know? Because that turns, as it turns out, that question, who do you say I am, is a question not just from Jesus, for the disciples, it's a question for you and me. Who do you say you are or who do you think you are? Which is a question I've gotten a lot for different reasons. What's the you of you? Where do you get your identity from? And that's a tricky question. Like I said, maybe we're not equipped for it. We spend a lot of time being distracted from that question. But let's try to bring it back. Where do you get your you from? You know, we talk about that a lot. What's the secret of that? A lot to work on there, a lot to unpack. Let me give you a hint. Something to think about, chew on a little bit. You ready? If it can be taken away from you, it can't tell you who you are. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. If it can be taken away from you, it can't tell you who you are. And this is a big deal because a lot of people define themselves by the job until they get laid off. They define themselves by the car until it gets repossessed. They define themselves by the outer situation, a relationship, until whew, it's gone. And yet, it's gone and here you are. If it can be taken away, it can't tell you who you are. This is important because as human beings, we are really good at adaptation. We've talked about this before. Other animals evolve over generation and generation and generation and generation. They evolve a longer beak or bigger wings or a longer neck so they can reach leaves or whatever. They evolve. Us humans, we don't do that in the same way. But instead of over generations and generations, in the course of a couple years, a couple weeks, a couple of days, we can build a thing. We can adapt to a situation. Us humans are really, really good at adapting. We can't... Uh, evolve gills, but we can figure out boats and scuba gear. You know? We figure it out. We adapt. And it's one of the things that us humans are so good at that that ain't the problem. The problem is getting done with something after we've outgrown it. Not so easy. And most people not so good at it. Can you set aside the thing after you have gotten done with it? Imagine you're on a desert island and you build the raft. You do the, the whole Tom Hanks thing. You make friends with the volleyball. You build a raft. And you use the raft to get back to the mainland. And then, for the rest of your life, you drag that raft around with you everywhere you go because you never know. Sounds silly, right? 
Imagine you're in a toxic relationship. So you build all kinds of attitudes and habits to, to deal with that, to get around it, to, to protect your heart, to deal with that person. And then you finally get done with that toxic relationship. But the next person you're with, you treat them just the same way, like they're going to hurt you at any given moment because you never know. How is that different? If you want to be a whole person, a happy person, a healthy person, it's not about acquiring because the goal is not need. The goal is freedom. So what can you let go of? Let's be the kind of people for whom when that moment comes... And maybe this is part of what Jesus was talking about. You don't know the day and you don't know the hour, but you're going to grow. You don't know the day and you don't know the hour, but sooner or later, easy way or hard way, happy or sad, that's up to you. It, which isn't true, will be taken away. And it, which is true, will be made even bigger in your life. One way or another, you'll grow into something healthy. Something that ain't true will be taken away from you. Let's be the kind of people that go, you know what? I thought that job could tell me who I was and it's gone and I'm here, so I guess not. I thought everybody liked me because I had that cool car and it's gone and I'm here, so I guess not. I guess the universe just needed a little bit more honest version of me. Can we be the kind of people that say, you know what? Thank you, God. I'm sorry I got all wrapped up in that silly thing that isn't true. But I know better now. Thank you, God. Can we be the kind of people that aren't attached to that? Can we be like little kids? Remember when you were a kid and you were on your way to Disney or looking forward to Christmas or a birthday or whatever? Remember that feeling, that are we there yet feeling, the feeling of being so excited not just to be in a place, but also to be on your way to this place. How old are you? I'm not just eight. I'm also eight and a half. That feeling. Can you remember that feeling of being excited, not just about the destination, but about being on the journey? That's who you are. Don't let that grow out of you. Don't let them take that from you, because it can't really be taken. We can just forget for a little while. Decide to be okay with being on a journey. Because each and every one of us, sooner or later, has to deal with the fact that there is that true child nature, which is a child of God nature. Of us, Each and every one of us in one way or another has to deal at some point or another with what I can only call the amazing bigness of the whole thing. Have you had those moments where you realize that this life is just so huge? You have those moments when you fall in love or somebody puts a baby in your arms or you, the thing works out or whatever it is. You have those moments where, wow. Go look for wow today, by the way. But you know those moments when life is just too big. Thank God for those moments when it forces you to question everything or evaluate everything. Decide that there is something so beautiful to get ready for and maybe it's just been there in the periphery all along and you finally got all of the garbage out of the way and you turn to face it however it happened. Let's be the kind of people that say, thank you for reminding me that life is what you're ready for. It's so important. But when I say a thing like that, when I say get ready, when I quote the scripture, a lot of people think a very different thing about it. When I say get ready, a lot of people go right into the doomsday prepper mentality. They go, oh, I better stock up on freeze-dried macaroni and cheese and get my Sergeant Rock pocket knife out or whatever it is. You've seen the shows. There's shows about doomsday preppers, which is like a bad name for a band or something. But the idea that, that I'm supposed to stock up because at some point the whole thing is going to break down. Now listen, we live in hurricane country. We know the importance of stocking up on bottled water and all that so you're not part of the problem at the grocery store when the news tells you to go get bottled water. I'm not talking about the Boy Scout thing of being prepared. 
I'm talking about the people on those shows who are really excited about the impending collapse of civilization. You can see they're like, oh boy, them zombies are coming. Can't wait. The zombies aren't coming. No such thing, just to be clear. It doesn't work that way. For one thing, let me tell you again, civilization is not going to break down. I was at a restaurant the other day, and the waiter had a special thing in his sleeve. It was a device designed specifically to scrape breadcrumbs off of a table to make it nice. That's how far we are from civilization breaking down. We have that. It ain't happening. Get over it. That's not what we're supposed to be looking forward to. Because once again, you get what you're ready for. When you have a bunch of people who are so excited about everything uh, breaking down, they're not making it better. Can you imagine being married to somebody who's just getting ready for the divorce just in case all the time? Yuck. What if we start living this life instead of getting ready for it to end? What if? Because you get what you're ready for. Now, I understand that there are so many people for whom life just doesn't make sense. My job doesn't make sense. My love life doesn't make sense. My relationship with everything doesn't make sense. And so I'm so hungry for a thing that makes sense that I'm looking forward to it all breaking down. Because you know what? It makes sense to me that all i got to do is go out, hit a zombie in the head, dig up some potatoes, come home. That makes sense to me. But you know what? Life in the real world, the stakes are already high. What if we start living that? What if we start preparing to live, really live, preparing to love, because that's harder, preparing for this? What if we start getting ready to be who we have been all along? Maybe it's time to stop solving the wrong problem. A couple of weeks ago in men's group, we talked about the idea of an XY problem. Remember we talked about that goes to you there in the men's group? Um, <laughs> if you weren't there and you know that we talked about it, we have to talk. But no, you can Google XY problem if you want. It's a behavioral science idea. The concept is I've got problem X that I don't tell anybody about, but I'm convinced that solution Y is the answer, and so that's all I concentrate on. But it turns out that wasn't the problem, and that ain't the solution. So no matter how good I get at Y, X doesn't ever get solved. And I ask for all kinds of help, and I bring in all kinds of resources, and it never works out. For example, I decide that I'm lonely, I want to find love, and so my X problem is I want this one person to fall in love with me. So my Y solution is I'm going to do everything I can to make them attracted to me. I'm going to find out what kind of clothes they like, what kind of food they like, what kind of music they like, and I'm going to become their perfect person. Meanwhile, I've lost any bit of individuality that I ever had. And you get that person, and it turns out they're a train wreck. You know what I mean? You can think of your own examples because as human beings, we're all here to grow together. Every single person in this room, I would be willing to bet, has been the recipient of an XY problem. When you try to help somebody with something and you finally figure it out only to realize that wasn't the thing after all. And most people have been the deliverer of an XY problem too. Over and over again. Jesus deals with the XY problem. Because there were a lot of people that said, you know, the solution to all of this is if just the end of the world would happen. We would just get to the end of the world part. And Jesus goes, uh, you know the kingdom of heaven in your midst? God's here now. What are you doing waiting for God to show up? XY problem. You're solving the wrong thing. As it turns out, the answer is to actually show up instead of have your bag packed. Over and over again, people say, you know, Jesus, someday this Messiah will come and it's going to be like an Arnold Schwarzenegger Messiah that comes and just beats everybody up and won't that be great? And Jesus goes, uh, it's me, but I'm kind of a turn the other cheek guy. You're solving the wrong problem. 
As it turns out, as children of God, we have a different charter. We're supposed to do something different. In my estimation, the biggest XY problem that we have right now, the thing that we're trying to solve that doesn't actually solve anything, is what I call the doctrine of eventual good. It's a lot of big words. The doctrine of eventual good. And what I mean is, I think the problem is that somebody told somebody that you're supposed to be miserable right now, but that it's going to be okay later. And however much you put up with misery now, you'll get an even bigger reward later. Now, you see that in theological circles. You know exactly what I'm talking about. If I can just practice misery in my life, God will think that's cool and get me to quit being miserable. That's a weird idea of God. I came that you're, you might have more joy and have it more abundantly and all that. It doesn't really fit that we're supposed to just clobber ourselves. But you see it in the workplace, too. If I can just put up with this terrible job, eventually I'll get that promotion. The promotion's kind of dangled in front of you like you dangle keys in front of an infant. Keep them amused for a while. But it doesn't work out that way. If I want to control people, I can tell them, be miserable right now, and then later on there's goodies. But where's God? The doctrine of eventual good keeps us from growing. The doctrine of eventual good leads to an economy of distraction where we develop new and better ways to keep ourselves from engaging in lives. More and more layers between us and being able to share our hearts. All kinds of video games and, and distractions and things that keep us from just looking at other human beings in the world. Ways to mark time instead of make a mark. But I'm telling you, our job is to take it back. How can you make a mark? How can you decide to engage with your life? How can you share who you really are? Do you know? Because that's a thing, too. Have you ever heard of the imposter syndrome? It's a movie with Jack Lemmon. No, that's a different... Not dating yourself. Have you heard of imposter syndrome? It's another thing that you can Google. Don't do it right now. But it's a thing. It's another one of those many problems that we as a culture have invented because we didn't have anything else to do and we couldn't wait for our lives to come back in Candy Crush. Imposter syndrome is the idea that when something good happens, I don't deserve it and I'm not really supposed to be here. Like I said, it's, it's a real thing and people are going through it and I don't mean to belittle that, but I am saying it's something that we invented. The idea is I finally got that big job and I'm in the corner office, but in the back of my head, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and sooner or later, security is going to come in and say, sir, there's been a mistake and you need to get out of here. I finally get in that healthy, loving relationship I've been looking for all the time and then I just know they're going to tell me that they, had a, they made a mistake and it's the wrong person. Imposter syndrome. I'm an imposter. I'm not supposed to be here. And it's such a big deal that there are books about it and books about it and workshops about it and stuff you can do and read. And in general, they say that the cure for imposter syndrome is positive self-talk. So in other words, if you find yourself in the corner office sweating about security coming, if every time the boss, come, the boss calls and you see it on caller ID, you feel like, okay, this is the one where I get fired. If you have that feeling, they say you're supposed to just talk yourself into it. You're supposed to argue with the problem. You're supposed to say, I'm a good boy, and I deserve to be here, by golly, and I'm supposed to do this, and I've got a college degree, and I worked really hard. I don't know about you, but I find it hard to believe that would ever work. Because if it's all in your head anyway, you can't argue with yourself for very long before they take you away. Imposter syndrome is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you walk around going, I know you're going to break up with me, they eventually will because that's creepy. You know? Put another way, if there is only good in an ultimate sense, everything that's not good 
only has as much power as I give it by paying attention to it. So you can argue with the dysfunction as long as you want, but that doesn't make the dysfunction go away. You can argue with your fears like you're an attorney, but that doesn't make the fears go away. It only gives them more power because you're paying attention. So arguing with imposter syndrome ain't the cure. Here's what I suggest. Let's be the kind of people that say, you know what? If it's not supposed to be mine, let it be taken away. I'd rather be honest. If I'm not supposed to be here, then let it go. In this moment, right now, here I am, and I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be. In this moment, right now, God gave it to me right now for a minute, for an hour. I do not know the day or the hour. Right now, I'm going to be me. I'm going to live in a way that shows what trust looks like. I'm going to live in a way that shows what love looks like. Because you get what you're ready for. And I have decided to be ready for you to see who I really am. I've decided to trust. I've decided to love. I've decided to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this Sunday lesson and also for taking the time to apply this in your life. Listening to the service and participating in that way is just half of the equation. The other half, and in some ways the most important half, is what you do about it. So I'm so grateful that we're hearing so many good things from people who are applying these principles in their lives to make their lives better and in some way to make their world better. And with that in mind, I want to remind you that this Easter series of lessons has all kinds of special things you can do to get ready for Easter, to get done with the stuff that you've been waiting so long to get done with, and to move into a life that works for everybody. And to do that, we've been uh, allowing all kinds of extra stuff, not just the Sunday morning lesson, but we've got activities for you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. To find out more about these things and their simple steps that you can apply in just a few minutes that's going to turbocharge your healing and growth process. It's going to really be impactful in your life in all kinds of ways. To find out more about that, please follow us on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. YouTube and so on, please find out about what you can do. Or just send me an email at info at waterandstonechurch.com. Check out our website, waterandstonechurch.com, to find out more about the amazing things that are going on that are going to make an amazing difference in your life. As always, if you want to help support what we're doing, uh, all you got to do is visit waterandstonechurch.com slash donate. There's all kinds of ways you can give electronically or you can shop at Amazon in such a way that it benefits the church. We've got an Amazon wish list of all kinds of stuff that's going to help us do what we want to do. And the last thing on that page is what I want to be the first thing in your heart, and that is to support this church. The best things you can do are show up, and help spread the word. So if this has made a difference in your life today, I hope you'll tell somebody else about it too. We're here for you at Water and Stone. Let us know how it goes for you. Have a great, amazing day.